Hi, welcome. You're listening today to the Best Life, Best Death podcast. I'm Diane Hullett, and today I've got part two of a holiday series with Barbara Carnes in December of 2022. Barbara and I talked this second half of our conversation about the holidays, grief, what happens for people in the holidays, how do we handle the times of being alone and the times of being invited to gatherings when we might be in the middle of difficult times ourselves. And this is such a busy, uh, complex, joyful, but also can be very grief-filled season. So I'm happy to be having part two of a conversation with Barbara Carnes, award-winning nurse, award-winning end-of-life educator, and just all-around pragmatic, wonderful person to listen to and to talk with. Without further ado, here's Barbara. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Welcome back. I, I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. So this this week, I really want to chat with December kind of coming up with it, which is a time of all kinds of holidays. Let's talk about joy and grief in the holiday season, because I think it's really a time that for some is filled with a lot of wonder. And for some, especially if you've lost someone recently or in the last year or two or three can be a real time of grief. What would you what would you say about that? I, I think that because traditionally holidays are about family, they're about a family getting together. And when there has been a death in that family, as you said, whether it's a year during that year or even years before, um, that void is really, really felt. And... I think some people handle it by pretending that nothing's wrong. It's like, if I talk about dad who died last March, um, then everyone will be sad. And so I'm nobody talks about dad because they're looking out for everyone else thinking that's going to make them sad. The problem is everyone else is thinking about dad too. So let's address the elephant in the room and start with Thanksgiving Day. You know, what dad would have done? You know, let's talk about dad. Oh, I really miss him. You know, let's set a place at the table. And you may put dad's picture or just put a candle where his plate is, but include him in your celebration. And yes, there will be tears, uh, and that's okay. But you're supporting each other in your grief rather than pretending that nothing is different and not supporting anyone because you're all feeling sad. I love that, Barbara. So like, just instead of just feeling like, or thinking that it it, it was a, be a problem to bring it forward, just bring it forward somehow and let there be some tears perhaps, but knowing that that is part of acknowledging for the whole family and that bringing in the person and their memory probably will feel better than pushing it away or pushing it down. Oh, Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the remember dad stories um, make us all feel better. You know, we can laugh about um, some of the stories. We can cry. 
about some of them, but it's the camaraderie. Grief is so isolating. And so the holidays give us the opportunity to let down some of those isolating barriers. Say you know? more about that. Why, why is grief isolating? Well, for the person that's grieving, they don't have the energy to interact with anyone else. They just want to be alone at home in their space. They don't have the energy to pick up the phone or to leave the house. That's why it's up to us in supporting that griever to show up at the door with our, our little sack of McDonald's and say, hey, I'm here. Um, so the, I, the, the other aspect is people don't know what to say to grievers. You know, it's like, oh, she looks pretty good today. She's in the grocery store. She's not crying. Well, I don't, I'm just going to go around the other aisle and I'm going to pretend I didn't see her because we don't know what to say. Yeah. Where does that, where does that deep discomfort come from? Do you think? I, I don't know. I suppose because we don't want to disappoint people, you know, part of our social interaction is to bring camaraderie and cheer and, and we don't know how to be good listeners when someone is have, is having challenges. Right. And it kind of goes, it's, it's like, we don't know how to be good listeners. And sometimes grievers don't know how to be good um, sharers of their grief. Like they feel like they're not supposed to bring it forward. So there's kind of awkwardness, both directions, isn't there? There is. And that's intensified during the holidays, you know, because everyone's supposed to be happy and joyful during the holidays and everyone there is missing dad. And they're not feeling joyful. And so let's reach out and support each other. We've got a real kind of like buck up and, you know, buck up little soldier, you know, move on in. We we definitely have that kind of attitude in some parts of our society, don't we? And it's really, it doesn't always serve us because there is something about a soft moment at the beginning with some tears and a thankful gratitude prayer or something might be just the thing we need to soften up the 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 dinner and really bring those feelings into the room. It, I think people think, well, if I open, you know, if I crack the door open on that, it'll just be a sob fest at Thanksgiving or, you know, everyone will just lose it. Well, probably not. It'll probably end up in some laughter and storytelling. And if it ends up crying, it ends up crying. You know, right. you're not alone. You're, you've got someone else there with you while you're crying. And that's okay too. So for someone who's really grieving in this season, you would say, have your grief, bring the stories forward, reach out. And for someone who's got maybe a friend or family member who's grieving, you would say, step in, reach forward, be aware that they might be going through really particularly a hard time in this season. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I do. And I think you also make a good point in that when it, if you have a friend who is has lost someone during the year um invite them to dinner you know 
because our society is scattered all over, uh, there may not be family for this person. So look at your friends and see, um, do I invite them over, support them? So you don't want someone home alone during the holidays. I mean, you just don't because all kinds of thoughts come forward, negative thoughts come forward. And that's when we need support. I always think, I, I remember thinking many years ago that focusing on, um, you know, an aspect of the holidays that I really loved was kind of a way to move through the complexities of the season. And for me, that was always lights and music. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to just make a point of lighting parts of my house that feel special to me, turning those lights on each evening and really reveling in this dark time of year in, in the Northern Hemisphere anyway, where I live, it gets pretty dark about 530 right now. And that'll get even more so in the month of December. But I think of it as instead of being sort of dark and depressing, I think, well, it's a time to pull in. It's a time to reflect. And I can light these lights or candles in the evening and play some music that's meaningful to me. And that's always been a way to kind of cut through some of the consumerism or some of the confusion of family dynamics or whatever other things are difficult. And I imagine it would be similar for grief. If there's a piece that is meaningful to you that you can repeat and bathe yourself in the goodness of, that might help through cut through some of the difficulty. Well, and you make such a great point in that I was concentrating on group gatherings, which really most of the time, it's about the individual when they're alone and what they do um, and what, what they're thinking and the sadness and being alone, you can get so covered up in your grief and your having the lights decorating the house. Yeah, I think the griever has to make a conscious decision. I am going to do whatever, because in our grief, the natural place to be is just static just be there, not doing anything. And so the griever has to make a conscious decision uh, of how they're going to move forward. And that's hard work. It's hard work. It's really hard work. And maybe it's as simple as saying, I'm going to reach out to these two people or these four people and either have a coffee or have a Zoom call or have a phone call or have a dinner, whatever's appropriate, but some kind of reaching out. And then I think as friends and other family members, it's the reaching in, saying yes to those invitations, you know, not saying, oh, I'm kind of busy and I've got this and that going on. I don't really want one more invitation. Know that that's a grieving friend who's reaching out and reach back. You know, I think it's interesting. There's kind of this modern thing that's crossed my paths a couple of times lately. There are these text services that you can sign up for and receive a text about um, 
like a like an uplifting text to someone who's grieving. And at first I thought, well, this just seems like crazy to me that in the in this world you have to sign up to receive a service of of positive uplifting text or acknowledging texts back to you. But then the more I thought about it, I thought maybe this is actually just perfect to have kind of these little reminders drop in your text box with some suggestions of what you might do. So I don't know. You know, I think for some people that would be horrifying. And for some people, it might be actually a really nice kind of thing to feel like there's this, again, this like positive drop in your text box that gives you some support. We used to get it from family, friends, and neighbors, but- Maybe it's okay to get it electronically. I don't know. Well, um, I don't either, but it made me think of Unity's daily word. You know, just that little positive boost. And why wouldn't that text be the positive boost? And it may be the only positive light in your whole day. Um, But I love it. I think, you know, what you have nothing to lose. by sending that or you have nothing to lose by sending that. Yeah. 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 Well, what else, what other thoughts do you have on the holidays and what to, what, what things can make a difference for people? Oh, holidays have so much expectations on them. And I think that we're not going to be able to, in our grief, we're not going to be able to live up to the expectations that society, let alone our family and our neighbors have for us. I think that it is up to the griever to push themselves. And that's going to be very, very hard There's also, and this just popped into my head, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? I'm not having Thanksgiving this year. I'm not going to do Christmas this year. I'm not going to do this holiday. I don't want to. That's okay. Yep. Yep. I think sometimes we need permission to do what we need to do. And if there's clarity about what that is, it doesn't matter if it's nothing or something or something new or some old tradition. It's just the clarity inside you about what helps you move forward and be where you are. We, you know, we've also been talking, we've been talking about grievers and people who lost someone in the year. There's also anticipatory grief. And I think about that, someone who has a very ill person in their family. And so you're feeling like, oh, this might be the last Christmas. There's or the last, you know, Hanukkah. There's that kind of feeling of carrying uh, that anticipation that can weigh heavily on a holiday as well. It can. And that's where we have to use our self-discipline and say, I'm going to make this the best Christmas ever. And rather than focusing on, oh, this could be the last Christmas, turn it around. We're going to have the best ever, ever. And so that there's no recriminations. There's no afterthoughts of, Jace, you know. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Yeah. yeah. 
I think about that too, in terms of seizing the moment with um, travel, you know, if you have young kids and family is far away, bundling the kids in the car and making the drive can be such a, you know, you just think, oh, do I want that hassle? That's just going to be so much work. But I think these, you know, making the effort is, is really something that down the road I've experienced and, and friends have told me, you know, you're often glad you made the effort. Even though at the time it was, you know, traveling through the Denver airport during the holiday rush was not a pretty thing with little kids, but you're glad you made that effort. And it was important to make the effort. Well, and we make the effort and, and knowing all of us thinking this may be mom's last Christmas. So we're all going to come and we're going to support her and we're going to have the best Christmas ever. But everyone in their back of their mind is thinking, oh, this could be the last, this, this is the last Christmas. And so there's that underlying sadness mm -hmm. that maybe you have to bring that elephant out and say, you know, mom, we don't know. We're worried about you but we're going to make this Christmas really great. Let's just really have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think it's a, it's interesting, the expectations. You really named that at the beginning. And you said one of the challenges with this holiday season is that it's just got a lot of expectations on it. And, you know, my husband and I have a saying, we always joke that the secret to happiness is low expectations. <laughs> we, you know, we say that humorously, but we just find it over and over again. It's really true. If you can just lower the bar for yourself and for others on how something's going to go, it's often a little mellower when you have low expectations. And then you're pretty happy with however it turns out. That's right. Then, then when you've loved it and you've had fun, it's like, oh my gosh. And it was full of mistakes and chaos and confusion and the wrong gift went to the wrong person. And, you know, just the mess of family happens. You, you just kind of chuckle at it instead of uh, taking it personally or thinking something went wrong. You know, I think there's a lot of blame and shame we put on ourselves that um, maybe is just mixed up expectations for what it was going to be. You know, as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking wouldn't, do I use the word shouldn't? Maybe. Um, we should live our life like this 365 days out of the year, not just for one Thanksgiving or one holiday season in December. You know, say more. Say more about that. Every day is a gift. Every single 365. And yet we we tend to focus all our attention on seasonal areas when what's really important is every is the moment we're in. The past is a memory. The future is an idea. The only thing that's real is right now. And we get lost. Most of us, you know, I live in the future. I live about two weeks in the future. My kids planner, planner. <laughs> yeah. You know, they tease me about that. My husband lives in the past. Neither one of us concentrate as I would like us to 
in the moment. And I, I don't think we're any different than most people. Very few of us live in the moment. And that's so all that's true. Really so true. And I'm reading a fabulous new book. Do you know Pema Chodron? Yes. Pema, yes. Pema is a wonderful Buddhist monk and author. And her most recent book is called How We Live is How We Die. Oh, yes, right? absolutely. And of course, she talks about, are you living in the past? Are you living in the future? What's the present moment? And how how to really sink into that and how touching into that as we live does prepare us for death. Well, it does. And it gives us, um, I think, a more fulfilling life. You know, as death approaches, if we die a gradual death versus getting hit by a truck, then we're going to look back at our life and we're going to evaluate and summarize and what our life has been. That's just part of the process. The dying process is we look at our life. I think that I want to be able to look at my life and say, I made the most of each moment that I was in. And I found good in, in each day, um, no matter what went on around and about me. But the last thing at night is I did have some good and to touch into that. And we, you know, we're on our gerbil wheels and most of us, just are too busy going around and around to really live in the moment and appreciate it. I love that. And I love that you're referencing the gerbil wheel because there's this great New Yorker cartoon. And I think I'm going to put it up the same week as our podcast, Barbara. And okay. this little, this little hamster is standing in front of a washing machine. And he says, I'm going to do a load of laundry, get some exercise and take a shower. <laughs> He's going to do it all at once. Multitasker, <laughs> little gerbil wheel of our lives, right? Yeah. So yeah. I really appreciate you bringing that forward. Like whether it's the holiday season or any time, what are we doing? How are we doing it? Who are we connected with? What do we bring to those connections? How are we making meaning out of our days? We don't know what we're doing here on this ball of earth, <laughs> this ball of mud spinning around in space, but we know that we can make meaning. That's what humans do. And so whatever the season, bringing forward our grief, bringing forward our joy and being in it with others seems like the key. And being in the moment, being yeah. in the moment. And I, I would say again, stepping out of that, holiday energy and try to bring it forward for the rest of the year you know bring it forward um, bring that togetherness that love that excitement um, bring it forward I carry love that so like carry it forward into the whatever is special to you about the holidays bring it forward think of it as a 12-month thing not just concentrate it yeah yeah. Well, thank you so much, Barbara. This has been just a great conversation. We we digress, but it's so much fun to digress. 
<laughs> yeah, you get us together and we're going off and, but I love it. And I love it. We have, I love our perspectives and just the shared sense of how do we make the most of what we are doing here? It, you know, if, if we can create a, a, a light bulb moment for one person, then we'll done some good work. I agree. Thanks so much, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to the Best Life, Best Death podcast with Diane Hullett and Barbara Carnes. You can find out more about the work I do at bestlifebestdeath.com and find three other podcasts with Barbara that have been um, done over the months. What a treat. You can find out more about Barbara at bkbooks.com and get a hold of her many excellent, excellent resources to share with family, friends, clients, what have you. Thanks again for listening.